0: Hello friends and welcome to your Monday morning edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. It's a very happy Monday. I'm going to say this only once, hopefully, on today's podcast, but Ipswich Town are top of the League One table. As I say, we're only going to say that once because it's basically what they should be doing. It's strictly business this season and it's exactly what we expected Ipswich Town to be doing. Is it not? <laughs> Seven points from three games. should be should be nine, let's be honest, boys. Andy, you're obviously not happy about that at all. I'm um, laughing, so mate. Seen-
1: because how hard how hard have you had to try to do that? What do you mean? That's not what you want to be doing, is it? That's a very very that's a one eighty in terms of direction Absolutely. for openings. I've only how, how hard
0: two, is it? I've only had two coffees, mate. So um, I'd normally be at three or four at this point. So that's, I've done that deliberately. But this season's all strictly business, isn't it, boys? That's the idea. Ipswich Town are starting to look like, hopefully, to, to quote the late great Dennis Green, who we thought they were. Uh, They should already have nine points on the board. They've got seven. We'll take that. Uh, And to join me are the two best kings, let's be honest, Um, the OGs of this game. I'm going to start with you, Andy, because we've already heard you. Sorry about the dog. I'm going to mute. Andy Warren, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And joining you back fresh from the beach, it's your partner in crime, your work husband, the rather muscular and bald Stuart, the Dr. Watson. Stone cold. Stuart Watson, how are you? Uh,
2: yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Still, still bold. <laughs> and I'm how back.
0: Was, how bold was the beach, baby? How I'm was the bolder beach? Bolder than
2: ever. Beach was good. I had a lovely holiday. Thank
0: you. You looked, I've got to say, the post-game chat with Hutchie, you looked incredibly tanned, relaxed and uh, I'm pretty pleased about things. As as holidays go, Stuart, I'd imagine nice week away with the family, getting some sun, clearly. Come back. You got to work. Yes, but you go to Portman Road and Town. Hosh MK Don's three nil. That's pretty much the best possible return, isn't it for you?
2: Yeah, that's, that's a good way to stroll back into work after a week off. Straight straight to Portman Road and um, and a very good day at the office, which um, which made it all the all the better. So yeah, it feels feels hotter here than it did while I was away. To be honest, it's um, it was scorching on Saturday, wasn't it?
0: was indeed. Very hot indeed. Right then, let, without further ado, boys, let's talk about the game Um, because that's what a lot of people will be tuning in to talk about. Maybe get some nonsense later on, Hutchie. A lot of people love the, the 20 minutes of spiralling nonsense we've tacked on the end of, uh, of Thursday's show. So we'll see where this, this journey takes us. But we will wrap it all up within an hour, friends. Don't you worry. Ipswich Town beat MK Dons 3-0 at Portman Road on Saturday. It was a very impressive, commanding, consummate performance. Stuart, you strolled straight back off the beach into Portman Road it was sizzling in Suffolk. Start us off. What did you make of it?
2: Yeah, really, really good day, wasn't it? I think everyone bounced out of Portman Road. Big smiles on their faces. Um, you don't get many days like that where you've got a 2-0 time lead and then you get a nice killer third in, in the second half. And I could get used to that feeling of sort of um, final half an hour felt sort of party mode really there was never you know the game was as soon as that third goal went in the game was won hmm. which played some really good football but they worked damn hard as well Kieran McKenna was very quick to say that as much as he knows everyone will have enjoyed the uh the attacking part of Ipswich's game the clean sheet and the uh the defensive work and the the intensity of that press in in that heat was um as he said really, really quite a special effort so um yeah uh
0: Lots and lots of things to like, which I'm sure we'll, um, we'll go through as, as this conversation goes on. Yeah, kick us off then, Hutchy. What did you like about the, the 3-0 domination at Portman Road? I liked how, how every area, area of
1: the team just functioned. It looked like a, fun, a really, really high-level functioning football team where everybody knew what they were doing, um, very clear in what they were asked to do, were able to execute it and just every area. Of the team did their job um that's quite a broad thing to like but that's that's what i liked
0: it was a well-oiled machine would it be fair to say everyone did their job everyone seemed to know what their job was etc which obviously hasn't been the case in in recent history
2: yes the the opposite of mk don's really and i said this in the post-match video they reminded me of ipswich this time last year a team that's clearly in a bit of a transitional state liam manning Looked like a manager that was maybe having to pick his words quite carefully post-match, talking about patience and transition and a rebuild. They've lost some... Now, we went into this game thinking it would be a tricky fixture for us, which MK Dons finished third last year. We've seen lots of chess-like, even football matches between these two teams over the last few years. But it's probably no great surprise, looking in hindsight, that MK Dons are a shadow of the team that finished last season because they've lost their best center back in Harry Darling. They've lost their talisman in Scott Twine, who scored 20 goals, um, several other key players injured, Will Grigg, uh, etc. cetera. So um, I looked through that team and some of the stats, someone like Louis Barry, who obviously Ipswich fans are aware of, I think was only making his second or third league start. Um, and there was others in, in that ilk as well. And um, they were disappointing. There was no 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 um, question about that. But as I've said plenty of times, take absolutely nothing away from Ipswich. You have to take advantage, and take advantage they did. They looked, uh, as you said, a, a well-oiled machine, someone that McKenna's clearly. With. We're now starting to see the benefits of McKenna having got in around Christmas time last year and having that sort of back end of last season to really get his feet under the desk. And. Uh, yeah, Ipswich. We we hoped that they would be in a position to hit the ground running because of that. And um, Saturday Saturday showed that hopefully that is going to be the case.
0: Tell mm. you who else who hit the ground running. And I'm coming to you on this one, Hutchie, because he's your boy, Janoi Danassian. A small moment, please, to appreciate Janoi Denassian. It must have been bittersweet, though, because obviously he had your boy, Dean Lewington, absolutely on toast. Um, so was that was that quite hard for you to watch? Because he, he absolutely <laughs> mugged him off, didn't he, for the first goal?
1: i don't have boys i don't put that i let them i let them i let them be their own men um i don't curse them but yeah really really good from genoi it's um we're coming away talking more about his attacking um work than his defensive work but for that first goal yeah watched uh, that dean lewington performance thinking that might be a, a a step towards the end um
0: Little tear in your eye, <laughs> Yeah, I did. Uh, I did turn
2: to Andy um, towards the end of that first half, and I just said, <laughs> "You're right, mate." <laughs> we'd we'd had, we'd had a bit of a chat about the Dean. Andy's love of the Dean is um, for regular listeners is is clear, and I just I just needed to check in on him because um, yeah, Janoy left him, had him on toast, didn't he, for that that first goal? What I will say in his defence, Andy, is he was left a little bit exposed in that MK system, wasn't he? he left side of oh, a course battery, he was.
1: Oh, sorry, with Louis Barry in, uh, with Louis Barry in front of him.
2: Sorry, one of two. Yeah, Louis Barry in front of him. He was it was a back four, wasn't it in the first half? But he, he looked badly exposed against Wes Burns and Janoy Donassian and they they switched formation at halftime, which helped him. But
1: he looked I did, better, I just, just he? Took in on you, he, yeah, didn't he? Matt, he looked better in the second half, didn't he? In a back, <laughs> in, a, in a back, th- in a back three, a bit narrower. Um, yeah, I'm not sure left back is where. Where he needs to be but anyway ipswich took advantage of that after four minutes and fast, fast start could alleviate a lot of the problems that town have found mm. in games which which is kind of getting not that mk are necessarily the kind of team that would have done this anyway but in, in general if you fast start if you start the games fast teams can't drop in and and pack pack the midfield and the back line on you and um mm. to score after four minutes with a really nice goal for from Wes Burns, could cut back, really nice guided finish back across the goalkeeper into the far corner. And if you if you score, if this Ipswich team can score goals early, they're going to win an awful lot of football games because they're just going to get rid of a lot of the issues that they could potentially face if they if they mm. don't like what is that exactly what happened against Colchester on Tuesday night. If Ipswich had scored after five ten minutes of that game, completely different Ipswich team, of course if they'd scored after five or 10 minutes of that game, completely different story, but they didn't. And that's the issue that they faced ultimately, but they have avoided that from the off here and um, allowed themselves to be in full
0: control. Just going back to Janoi boys, you know, we've, we've recently solved the uh, the Aluko mystery. It's definitely Shawnee Aluko. Um, there was a wonderful pronunciation of Janoi's name on the League One highlight show. I don't know if you saw it. He was called Inoy Donacian. Yanoi... That sounds rogue. You're Noi which is quite sing song and poetic. I quite like it. Hutchie, I know you tweeted that you have you've enjoyed few things more in your football and covering life than Yanoi Dunesean's career arc. Do you want to just reflect on that a little bit? We all know Younoi's story. It's been remarkable, but a big favourite of yours, clearly, that narrative.
1: Not just not just my football covering life, just my football, my football watching life just in, mm. in general. It's just i've just really enjoyed it mainly because of his his kind of demeanor is kind of like an understated calm the most relaxed man you will meet um he took the rough on his chin and remained that guy all the way through it and Mm. is now taking like the highs with that same relaxed calm chilled approach um and has proved to a fair amount of of people within football wrong along the way. It's just been just been really really enjoyable. Someone you want to root for, someone that is incredibly humble. Um, and when people like that have success, it, it 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 feels really good to have watched it. So uh, mm. yeah, it's um it's something I've really really enjoyed over the last four or five years. I remember
2: Andy, we would go to some far flung places in League One and seeing Janoi donassi being that rather downtrodden 19th man that didn't even make the bench sometimes, huddled up in, in the darkest, wettest winter nights with his hood over his head, sat in the stands up near the press box because he didn't even, even have a place on the bench. Um, it's It's been some remarkable turnaround. This is a guy who was loaned out almost, you know, had to wait, what was it, six months plus for it, for a, the loan to become permanent because of all the work permit issues, and immediately loaned out. Um, Paul, they Lambert tried to cancel did... it, didn't
1: they? They did <laughs> yeah. everything they could to cancel. They tried everything they could, I think, to try and get out of paying that that money.
2: Yeah, Paul Lambert had decided he was a he was a centre half based on his brief glimpse of him as a youth teamer at Aston Villa from from many years previous. It's um. It's been a crazy turnaround for for Ginoy. and as you say, he's um, you know it's, it's nice when 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 good guys like that it, it happens for them. And um, we all knew that he, he was a great sort of one v one defender when he came here. People said that you know no winger will get the better of him in, in a one v one battle, but there was always question marks whether he could contribute going forwards in the same way. And he's I'll tell you what, he's answering those questions, isn't he? Two to, to assists at the weekend. We've mentioned the first. Blazing past Dean Lewington, and then the the, the assist for Connor Chaplin second was a you know was a late bombing run in support of of uh, Wes Burns, but you know burst a blood vessel to get in the box, then then you know ice in his veins to chop back and beat his man, and and just just calmly lay the ball off for Connor Chaplin, and that killer third was was important because as we all know, gentlemen, two 0 is a dangerous scoreline, so to get that third was um, was a big moment
0: in that game. Absolutely. Can we get a little more Obviously, there's a lot of changes going on at Portman Road at the moment. Do you reckon we can get a little memorial plaque around the area that that Junoy just hammered past Lewington? Here lies the remains of Dean Lewington, 13th of August, 2022. What do you reckon? like that, Hutchie? Well, bury him there. (laughs) (laughs) Just just memorialise that moment, mate, because it's beautiful. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Um, let's do it. OK, cool. Let's move on then, boys. Obviously, we talked about J.D. You know he didn't see had a cracking game. Sounds like a lot of players had cracking games, boys. So, Sue, do you want to highlight anyone else in particular? I don't really want to go through the whole squad and talk about everyone, but anyone worthy of note? sounds like Wes Burns was very much back to form. Yeah, Burns is back, baby.
2: He was um, He was much like the player that, that we all fell in love with last season. It's taken him, understandably, a, a couple of games to... Um, to get back up to speed at the start of this, this season, um, physically and mentally last season probably will have, you know, just once the adrenaline had ebbed away from scooping all those end of season awards and getting his debut for Wales and joining up with the squad a little bit later in pre-season, he just looks like someone who was maybe a, a week or so behind the others in terms of preparations. But that was the West Burns of old, that performance, not just, his contribution with the, with the goal, with his contribution for the second. Which the bit I liked most about that was his his last little touch, just to work himself half a yard of space to get that shot away. Because I didn't think there was a, I didn't think he could get that shot away, which um, which the goalkeeper palmed away for for Harness to to bundle in. Um, but his just general touch was a lot sharper. Um, just seemed to have the ball under his control at all times. Some nice little spins on the right, and that that right-sided duo of um, – I should say trio, really, because you saw the celebrations for the third of, of mm. JD, Wes Burns, and Connor Chaplin, who's playing that sort of inside right uh, forward, uh, as McKenna would call it. Those three, you could see the celebration where they did that Spider-Man meme where they all stood in a in a triangle and point, pointed at each other. At some successful teams have good relationships and partnerships within – within a unit, a bit of chemistry. And and uh, you can see that chemistry starting to build in this team. And um, we knew that right side was good. Can, can the left side get up to speed? Because that was a problem last season. And and that was a good sign from this game as well, wasn't it?
0: That's perfect segue into what I was going to ask Hutchie. Left side, mate. Leif Davis, obviously fairly underwhelming, you'd say, after the first two games. Um, how did he look on this showing? Because it sounded to me like he was starting to be the player that we hoped town had signed. He looked strong, uh, both in his, both in physical strength
1: and his running um, popped up in the box a few times. It was his cross that kind of skidded through the box that ultimately led to goal three. Um, He just looks strong. He he looks like a player that that's no longer jet lagged, which is probably, which which had to be an issue in the first, the first week I was surprised, I could see the logic in it but I think we were all maybe a little surprised that he got the start in that Bolton game but but he did and he's played his way into into a bit of form now and and Ipswich looked really nice really nice and balanced um both defensively and offensively which which is what this what this team needs it needs to be needs to fast uh, start games fast it needs to be balanced and it needs contributions from all over and um that's exactly what what
0: a flying Leaf Davis on the left, the left flank can bring. Talk to me as well on, on the left-hand side about Marcus Harness because me and Rossi both picked him as MVP for the season. He's played three games in that kind of left inside forward slot. He scored two in two. Kind of under the radar, Andy. How's he looking? Because I know in your kind of report and post-match musings, you said there are definite signs that that side is starting to to click as well.
1: Yeah, some uh, some early signs of it. I think. In the first in the first couple of games, it it they, they were kind of operating independently from each other. But but it's it's new, isn't it? Like you th- think about Denastian and Burns, they go even beyond the start of last season together as a pair. Chaplin mm-hmm. Chaplin's passed fifty games for Ipswich already, and um, has played mostly with them. These guys have played played t- two going into the weekend, three now, and it's going to take time to build. I think Harness is Harness is growing into these games. Um, quite a lot a good I don't know how he managed to score that second goal because it looked to me like the defender had done everything he needed to do to get to it first Harness reacted quickest but the defender got back and almost beyond him well enough and somehow Harness managed to get the ball in the net which he wiped him out
0: as well didn't he he took him out as well (laughs) Harness got sent flying so yeah
1: yeah so he somehow managed to put that ball in the net and he's working incredibly hard um down that flank. Um, it's not as eye-catching as down the right because the relationships aren't as fluid. They're not as... You haven't got a Genoi Danassian,
2: have you? George Edmondson has, no, doesn't no. play the same role as Genoi Donassian so it, it functions slightly differently. We've talked about the pivot of, of the whole team and I think Liam Manning talked after the game about we, we naively played into their trap in terms of, the, I think he called it their left side trap in terms of sort of you, you drag the team out to one side, and then in in Lee Evans, you've got someone that can, and and Wolfenden as well, who can kind of spray that crossfield switch to the right and into acres of space, and that's obviously something Ipswich have worked on. So it, it does function slightly differently. I don't think it's ever going to be the same as the right side for Ipswich, but there was no doubt that it was a, it was a weaker area of the team last season, and there's no doubt already in my mind that it's it's a lot stronger already.
0: Not bad, though, is it? If you're maybe not hitting your full stride yet, Harness having scored two in two without really being kind of at top form, it's definitely a good sign. Um, talk to me as well, boys, before we move on about the striker, Freddie Ladapo. Um, clearly a narrative around needing a goal. Andy, we met him last week, ran into him at Portland Road. He's a, he's a bloody, ruddy, bloody nice bloke. Um, really hoping he was going to score at the weekend and, and do a baby-themed celebration. Just had his first daughter. Uh, how did he look, Andy? Because when we spoke about this on Boot Room, you said... Um, He's been decent. Obviously, the work rates there. He puts himself around. Um, what did you make of him in this
1: game? Yeah, I thought he was good. Thought he was good again. Um, I think he provides a focal point um, both in possession and out of it. And um, I don't have any concerns about about him at the moment. Three three games without a goal is not exactly a crisis, is it? It's not. No. Um, this isn't a, this isn't as a disaster at all. So. Um, he he can hold the ball up. He looks for for neat. He had one really nice little neat layoff where he dropped deep and had a nice little. I think it was to Morsi to let Morsi rampage a little bit. But um, now I've got no concerns about him at, at the moment. He's he's doing his job.
0: Any thoughts, Stewie, on on the striker thing? Because obviously that's we're going to talk about that in a minute. Actually, but that's the the constant narrative around this side is uh, is the Dapo the guy to score goals, and the longer he goes on without scoring it's obviously going to get more and more of a narrative as, as much as he's, you know, working hard for the team, etc. he's there to score goals. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah. MK John's are probably a good example. Scott, Scott Twine wasn't probably an out and out forward for them for much of last season. Am I right in thinking he, he was their main man with, with 20 goals kind of playing in a, in a deeper position. Wes Burns got Wes Burns, Marcus Harness kind of Chaplin all got into double figures last season. Um, the hope must be that that can happen again. Harness is already on two. Chaplin's off the mark. Morsi, we hope, is going to increase his goal tally from, from last season as well. Um So I'm not too worried. I think, you know, as long as they they spread the goals out and it's it's a balanced team that has threats from different areas, Um hopefully the set-piece tally will will go up this season. There's been some signs that that, that will improve, although there does need to be some... They were they were hit and miss at the weekend. I don't think they threatened enough from the amount of corners that were that were created. But um no, I think Ladipo's in, in the job to kind of facilitate others as, as much as every as anything. You know, he's he's running channels back to goal play, link play. I think he's just looked at a very solid all round centre forward that facilitates others so far. But all that being said a striker will want to get his first goal sooner rather than later. That first goal for his club will bring a competitive goal, will bring a, an amount of relief to him, I'm
0: sure. Mm, just on this subject, actually, being as we're talking about it now, um, one of our columnists, Terry Hunt, formerly of this parish, um, long-time Town fan, wrote in his column on the striker subject. Do we actually need, obviously there's been talk about George Hurst and, and Town have got to bring in another striker, and he was just kind of, Thinking out loud, really saying, do we actually need another striker? You've got the likes of Chaplin, Morsey, Burns, Harness. It's not out of the, the realms of possibility that they'll all end up on double-figure goals this season. Those are the sort of players you could do that. So, for you, is it still important that Town bring in another striker before this window closes?
1: Hundred percent, absolutely,
0: yeah. um, very, very much. <laughs> so, one,
1: yeah, Caden, Caden Jackson's the, the backup striker, but that that changes the style. Completely, I think I think Jackson is a useful player off off the bench in this this new world of of bench impact. But if if Freddie Ladapo goes down for three months in the middle of September, the entire style of the team will have to change in terms of an element of control in the in that final third. I, I, yeah, I firmly believe they need to to bring in somebody else before the end of the window.
0: Agree with that, Stewie.
2: I wouldn't go as far as saying 100%. I think the answer ultimately would be yes, but I would be a little bit more sanguine about if it didn't happen because I just think that sometimes there's... Uh, I get exactly where Andy's coming from with Jackson not being the same style and you wouldn't have like for like if Ladipo was out and that changes your your whole setup. Connor Chaplin has played up front for a lot of his career. Tyrese John-Jules looks like someone who could who could play that sort of number nine role if, if needs be. Sometimes there is this obsession within football now of just wanting more, get get another one, get another one. And I think Mick McCarthy was always a, a big exponent of this, is that sometimes getting too big a squad can can create you some problems as well. I mean, McKenna's already got a job on his hand, leaving people out of, let alone out of the 11, but you know, out of the 18 as well and keeping that team spirit high is it can never be sort of um underestimated it's, which are already out of one cup as it is so um, yeah I ultimately I think they put they could do with getting another one it has to be the right one um don't think they need to go and do something for the sake of it um but I'm yeah I'm a, I'm a little bit more relaxed about what you know as and when that happens.
0: OK, I've got two more questions, boys. Uh, feel free to throw any other thoughts in. One's kind of a positive and one's potentially a bit of a concern. So the positive, first of all, are we going to have to get you whenever we sit here on a Monday or a Wednesday, whenever it is, after an Town game, and I talk to you about who's impressed you in this game, boys? Who, what did you like? Is it just now? Are we just going to is it going to be inevitable that Sam Morsey has played a brilliant game? And we, don't even, we don't even mention it. Sam Morsey is like eight, nine out of ten every game. Because again, it sounds to me like he was superb in this game. And it's becoming, he started this season like a man on a mission. There's no other way to put it, is there?
1: He's just a really, really good football player for this level. So I, mm. I think you have to you have to expect a, upwards of a 7, 8 out of 10 every week from a player like that. And um, he's in a position to deliver that as well. I think he, his mind's exactly in the right place. He's, he's got all of the ability. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's it's more of a talking point. It's going to be more of a talking point when he doesn't, if he doesn't deliver that. And he's working particularly well with Lee Evans alongside him as well. That's functioning really nicely. Yeah, I
2: think, Andy, you mentioned that in your observations piece after Forest Green, that Morsi can't be the player that he's becoming now in terms of sort of getting into the box late and being that attacking threat without Lee Evans alongside him. I think regular listeners to this will know that I kind of felt that Lee Evans came in for some Unfair stick last season. I think he's kind of um, that that under underappreciated role in in the team. Although I think some of that that love is starting to happen for him now. I think he's in, he's just there. He's in the right place at the right time to pick up the bits and pieces. I think he provides a bit of a f- physical presence in midfield for Upswich, which has been lacking for for several years. And his range of passing is is very good as well. So those two, who obviously have known each other for years, played together at Wigan as well, have got a really good partnership going there. And Dominic Ball, um, you know, having picked up that that ankle knock in in pre-season, is um, is going to be wondering kind of where, where his opportunity is going to come at the moment.
0: Okay, I don't think this video it's gonna go out on video this week is it because Rossi's off, which is a good job because if you're watching on video, you may have noticed me frantically clapping every now and then, and that's basically to try and keep my dog awake. Um I noted that um, frankly, his snoring is getting to ridiculous levels last week. Um, I, as much as I find it charming, I'm so many many people find it irritating. So I'm clapping at him when I've just actually thrown a, a cricket ball in his general direction, which is now, pouring around behind me um stay tuned listeners for updates on that because that's going to get destroyed if i don't look after it um final question then it's more of a concern boys first game of the season i was there bolton town should have won obviously one of my concerns though walking away from that game was the slightly lackadaisical attitude of luke wolfenden now we know he's he's a laid-back individual Mm -hmm. um and can be lackadaisical as it were um at times and again, there were, there were moments in this game, weren't there, where he kind of worryingly looked a little bit off it. And now we've got Richard Keogh in the building. We talked before that maybe what's going to happen is Keogh's going to come in and maybe is going to going to drop out. Is Wolfenden concerning you in this early going? Um,
2: there was no doubt that there, there was more than one occasion where he's a little bit sloppy on the ball at the weekend. Um, we've we've... Wax lyrical about and said how important he is to that that right side functioning. Out of those back three, I would say he is got the the um he's the least likely to drop out of it now. Genoi. I know we had that pre-season debate whether he might be the one. Um, but I think he's, you know, that is unthinkable at this moment in time. So has Wolfenden left the jar the door open ajar slightly for Richard Keogh? Possibly. Is, you know, we talked about Mick Mills's constant comments about whether George Edmondson not naturally being a left left sider prevents that left side functioning the same way. Richard Keogh, there's been a lot of talk about how he can play on both sides. Um maybe that's where the, the door is ajar, especially since George Edmondson is kind of still working his way back up to speed after quite a nasty ankle injury at the back end of last season. So um I have no doubt that. Richard Keogh will, will get in um, sooner rather than later, and there's every chance that he could he could stay in as as well. So as, as Andy said several times, he's been he's been brought into play. He's not just been brought in to be a, mm. a cheerleader in in the dressing room. So I'm fascinated to see um, how that that plays out.
0: Any thoughts on Wolfie Hutchie? We, we're all obviously big fans of Wolfenden as a player, but he does have that in him, doesn't he? That kind of tendency maybe to get a bit slack.
1: Yeah. uh, And I think that's the other, the other half of Richard Kerr's job. Yes, he will play games. I'm convinced he'll play games, but his influence on both Wolfenden and Edmondson, almost like a finishing school is going to be really important. Um, And that, the lessons that he can teach Luke Wolfenden may just be taking his place in the team at some point. Um, But away from that, I think he'll he'll really help him as well so I've got I've got no concerns about Luke Wolfenden long term it might just be a little bit of short-term pain for him to take some more permanent long-term steps because um, he set the standard for himself in the second half of last season and he's not quite picked up where he left off so Mm. um, he's got the perfect person to help him get back there it might just be that the methods are a little bit unusual (laughs)
0: Okay. Uh, any other notes from this game, boys, before we move on? We've done a nice half hour on it. Anything else to mention, boys?
2: Don't think so, no. It's just, um, I think, what, seven points from the opening three games. Ipswich must have been seven, eight games to get to that sort of tally last season um, off the top of my head. So it just alleviates, I think it's a big result because it just alleviates any kind of, especially off the back of that Colchester Cup game, it was just I think a few doubts starting to creep in. Oh, is it you know same old Ipswich? Everything changes, but nothing changes. And um, yeah, had had that not been a win at the weekend, that just would have cranked up the pressure a little bit. So um, yeah, as a, a big win, a game they needed to win given the circumstances. MK Dons are in, and uh, win it they did.
0: Gives gives town a really nice base to build from, doesn't it? Nothing is won in august is it boys as we know it's a a long season but it's a nice but you have to start well to have something to build on um uh, other obviously important question that people want to know what was that what was the food situation pre-game a classic summer really nice
1: light summery uh summery dish any guesses
0: macaroni cheese shepherd's pie oh yes it was actually really really tasty it's exactly what i needed meant to be in in 33 degree weather shepherd's pie famously Delicious. Um, what were the what were the side pieces, Hutchie? What did you get involved in? I don't want to get involved in
1: that chat at the moment. Um <laughs> Oh what? <laughs> the side the side the side pieces are, are not there.
0: Oh they're not? You're no, back to the it's, get... absolute,
1: it's absolutely fine. Do you need a side piece with Shepherd's Pie?
0: I suppose you've got a lot of veg in there, haven't you? Um maybe some broccoli. I wouldn't mind a bit of broccoli with Shepherd's Pie. But other than that, it's probably one of the few dishes you can get away with no sides, I'd imagine. There was, there was a
2: cottage pie option as well.
0: Um, oh, nice. Mm. What did you go with? I can't remember which way around shepherds and cottage pie is. One's beef, one's lamb. I think shepherds is lamb, isn't it? Uh, uh, it makes, I, that would make sense. That would yeah. make
1: sense, yeah.
0: There we go. Excellent chat, boys. Let's move on then. Um, League One, elsewhere in League One, there were some really interesting results this, this weekend. And it's always worth just reflecting because at some point, going to have to play these sides and it's interesting to see what else is going on around the league um there was obviously a big game at uh, at Pride Park Derby County beat Barnsley 2-1 there's a lot of other I don't know if any particular caught your eyes boys but there's a lot of ex-town involvement in kind of big moments as well Torrey Backington scored the winner for Sheffield Wednesday uh, as they beat Charlton 1-0 um Paul Digby Diggers formerly of this parish scored Cambridge's winning goal at home to Exeter, set up by Jack Lancaster. Conor Wickham got off the mark, scoring for Forest Green, uh, as Adrian won one. Uh, I'll, st- I'll stop Steve. you there. They're called yep.
2: FGR. Mike Bacon will be <laughs> would be quick to pull you up on that. He was very pleased with himself every time he mentioned FGR in the last pod, wasn't
0: he? <laughs> he really was. I mean, Mike spends quite a lot of the time pleased with himself, so uh, it's good that he's got something to be pleased with himself about. Um, Ellis Harrison got big Ricardo Santos sent off uh, in, on his debut for Fort Vale. 0-0 there. Um, and what was the other one that I saw uh, caught my eye? Oh, obviously, we have to talk about it, because it's going to segue into Burton. Incredible game at Burton. Uh, Keeler Dunn scored a 50 minute hat-trick. They were 3-0 up uh, and 4-1 up, actually, as well. Pulled back to 4-4 at Accrington, and they should have lost. I don't know if you saw the, the opportunity right at the death. Accrington should have won the game. Yeah. It should have been 5-4 to Accrington. Uh, and also, you have to mention, of course, Peterborough handed their first defeat of the season at Plymouth two um, nil. Any any kind of early interest, boys? You've seen in, in teams or scores as the League One seasons rolled on. Obviously, we're all about to switch town, but I know you're keeping an eye on, on other sides. Looks like Derby County might be half decent um, in the early going. Anything catching your eye, boys?
1: Colby Bishop at Portsmouth, yeah, isn't is interested me. Um, I think he sounds like he started incredibly well. He scored both of their goals at Cheltenham at the weekend um he's a good striker i think he could um i think that's a really good signing for them joe pickett's on the bench already yeah. um i think that's um that could be really big for them if they if they've got a proper proper goal scorer
2: the other thing i, I oh come mate let's just say sheffield, sheffield wednesday sitting in the top two with ipswich already the two sort of pre-season favorites already in in position um At the top of the table yes three games in and i can hear people shouting already going oh we've been here before we were top of the league in the first two seasons and it all it all crumbled um i know that and when we the, the question when it was put to kieran mckenna afterwards trust me was put in a very jokey manner i said to kieran um now kieran this is the part this is where we play the little dance at this stage of the season where i tell you that you're a top of the league and then you tell me it means nothing so over to you Ipswich at the top of the league what have you got to say about that and that's where the, the that sort of wry smile came from the, the picture that's been shared on on social media and um he he took the question in good jest and he uh, he gave the answer that we expected so yes we've been here before with Ipswich we're, we're well aware of that we'll keep our feet on the ground um but it it does feel like there's a bit more substance to this start this time the it's underpinned by some Some decent performances whereas uh, certainly the first season after relegation it it didn't feel like it felt like yes they were winning games but their luck might run out at some stage and and it duly did so um
1: yeah I think that that side of things is kind of evidence evidence evidence-based why why it feels different um Go back to that first League One season and yeah, they were top and we didn't have kind of the knowledge base and the evidence base of what League One was all about. We didn't know what the team was all about because they'd just come down to League One. We had our hopes and expectations, of course, but we didn't have the evidence to back it up. But now, without being a nerd about it, it's it's all kind of evidence based, isn't it? Like they're, they're top of the league and we've seen enough of a substance about both the team and the league, um, to know that there's a fairly good chance of them being firmly in the mix this time. That, that's mm. why it feels different to me, just that you can fall back on what you've what we've actually seen with our eyes. Um,
2: what, what I would say, and this might act as a nice segue into Tuesday night, is that Ipswich have played two kind of football-based sides, um, for want of a better phrase, in Forest Green, who played a certain way, getting promoted, uh, Bolton... And obviously, MK Dons as well. Um, Obviously, one of the major sticking points last season was being able to break down some of those more stubborn park-the-bus sides or or physical sides um, at the bottom end of the table. And uh, Ipswich obviously haven't run into one of them so far. We've seen, albeit with the second team, inverted commas, a failure to kind of answer that question against Colchester. So let's see if they can... There's a few more questions to answer yet before we start getting too carried away. And then Burton, obviously, on Tuesday night is, is a golden chance to do that.
0: you fired the starting pistol on Burton then, uh, Stewie. So let's do that next. Um, I was going to do something else next, but let's finish with that because that might be a good way to finish the show. If you trying to travel to Burton midweek, first League One midweek game of the season tomorrow night. Um, Burton have struggled, it's fair to say, out of the blocks. One point from the first three games, obviously, collapsed spectacularly on Saturday, should have probably lost a the game they were four one up in, got tonked 4-0 by Bristol Rovers previously. Um Hutchie, where do you sit? Because last Wednesday we were struggling, weren't we? After after the after the Colchester game, it was you'd had about four hours sleep. You couldn't you couldn't rouse yourself to care about MK Dons at the weekend um so how, where are you sitting in the match day cycle as we sit here can you can you bring yourself to talk about Burton in any kind of animated well, way
1: well this is very this is very different isn't it we are a day away from this game I, I was up until three o'clock writing after the Colchester game D- I, my head was not in MK Don's mode at, uh mid-morning on on a Wednesday your um, head was in the bin yeah uh, not not in the bin it's just <laughs> not it's just not on just not on MK Don's um but yeah, Saturday, Tuesday, first one in the league. Um, mm. I wonder whether there might be the the odd little switch up in the starting eleven in this one. Because um, let, of let me guess,
0: let me guess what you think might happen in this game. You think Aluko is going to come in?
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think he might. I think he might come into the game just to try and keep it a little bit, keep the ball a little bit more. Burton, Burton sides that we've watched. Although this one is, I'm beginning to. To struggle to recognise Burton now, there's no, there's no Lucas Aikens, the, the the man who was um the Burton Dean, I'll call him, who was just always there. <laughs> who knows what position he was going to play? Maybe wing back, maybe up front, maybe in the centre of midfield. But no Bostwick, um, so it's not, it's not <clears> the Burton <throat> that we're used to. But they they've always kind of put the ball on, on top of teams into into corners and tried to play with. with with that kind of that kind of style and I wonder whether a Leuko might just help Ipswich stick to their principles a little bit in the moments where they can. So um who's you
0: coming in for Chaplin? Harness?
1: Harness, I think. Mm. Um
0: but yeah I don't know. I don't know do I? That's... But hey, we've got to talk about it because that's what we're paid to do, boys. So uh Stuart, you talk about it. Would you make any changes? Can you see any changes being made? Do you agree with Hutchie? Yeah, Luko's a prime
2: candidate, but then again, it's, it's difficult to know who comes out for him. Um, the more you think about it, it's, it's difficult to kind of see. Is, is Greg Lee someone that's seen as, you know, someone who can... If Burton... I, I keep talking about Burton's style and the way they stick the ball on top of you. I don't, I don't know if they necessarily are that team still this season. Um, but is Greg Lee more suited to... To kind of dealing with any kind of aerial bombardment um although you know is now the time to dip out leaf davis you've, you've you've stuck by him you know mm. for the first few games so it doesn't feel like a a major punishment now like you're our guy we've signed you we've started you so far it's a you know saturday tuesday this isn't your type of game maybe maybe you could dress it up that way um McKenna sort of asked McKenna afterwards, is he considering changes for, for Tuesday night? And he just said, you know, as always, we take everything into consideration. How much Saturday's effort in, you know, an in intense press in, in really hot conditions will, will be one factor that, that comes into it. The, the, the style of game and Burton will be another factor that comes into it. So Keo, is it... Is it too early for, for him I don't I don't know um, having not been on the bench to suddenly go into the starting 11 is that something that will be considered I, I don't know but I I think you're probably looking at two or three changes ma- maximum in, in that team
1: I think we might learn a little bit about the approach this season from from what changes do you get made for this kind of game because the substitutes thing I know we, we seem to be talking about it to death but it does it does change the picture a little bit because the mm. If you're talking about sapping energy because of the attacking press, yes, the, the, the heat was a factor as I say, but in general, um, that's an incredibly hard job for those players to do. But they're only gonna have to be asked to do it for an hour or seventy minutes because of the changes that that can be made. Um, so I'm interested to see whether whether people are starting to fit into kind kind of defined Roles as being that the starters and the subs, or, or whether yeah. whether it is going to be that bit more bit more fluid. Seventy minutes was the mark most of them got this week before we saw a quad a quad change. So you are able to kind of give give those players a little bit a little bit of a rest. So um, I, I half wonder whether it might be fairly fairly similar with
0: just the odd one or two. Um, but I think we might start to learn a little bit. Talking of substitutions, it is fascinating, isn't it, how managers are using these early in the season. I think it was Peterborough made a quad sub at half-time at the weekend, um, which is unheard of, isn't it? Um, so, boys, going to Burton, let's not beat around the bush. This is a game that Itchwich Town should win, um, a, t- a side that are really struggling, as I say, got tonked by Bristol Rovers, fell apart at Accrington, should have lost the game. They were leading 4-1. Um,
2: it was 4-2, sorry. I, you keep mentioning four, They were 3-0 up and then 4-2 up, I think. Two, then they went 4-2 up and then it was 4-4 four, four, But um, sorry Stu was that making I was,
0: like your, just uh, making yeah, I was letting
2: this <laughs> slide but I, I, had to, I had to step in
0: no I, I think you'll find it was 4-2 <laughs> fair enough alright it was 4-2 they still should yeah. have lost the game they were leading 4-2 Stu yeah but and thanks, they lost 3-0 at Wickham on the opening day as
2: well um, Yeah, I had my concerns about Burton going into this Barnsley were into this season um, Barnsley was sort of uh, keen on Hasselbank that was played out quite publicly. I think that's difficult to immediately. You kind of have to win back the fan base quite early on, and um, you know maybe that's festering a little bit for Burton. They're they're a club that historically have kind of. I know they've had their their odd moment in the championship over recent years, but historically they've kind of been a a third slash fourth tier club, haven't they? Um, yeah, this is this is a game that Ipswich, if, if if they're going to become this winning machine this season and really sort of. Entrenched themselves in that top six, then yeah, they need need to go there with a with a winning mindset, and um, that would be three straight league wins, which um, they did not do for the whole of last season. So um,
0: that that would be another major tick, ticking things off left, right, and centre. Hutchie, before we get to predictions, we have to do million pound picks, of course. No money won at the weekend, as I recall, it was Morsey and Ladapo, wasn't it, to score. Morsi tried his best. He was absolutely gagging to
1: score a goal. Um, mm. All from outside the box. He uh, had one really nice one fizzed, fizzed just wide in the second half. A couple of others saved in the first. He was, he tried. He tried his best. But alas, yeah, no, uh, no wins for me this week. So what's in the pot as we speak? I'm going again. I'm doubling down. Um, Morsi to score. The Dapo to score. And Ipswich to win this game... Uh, against a team who scored four at the weekend um, to win this game to nil. But to not only win this game to nil, that particular section of million-pound picks is to win this game to nil and also win on Saturday to nil. So wow. We,
0: Big calls being made. Yeah, Shots being game. fired from the mouth of so Andy I'm, Warren. So what are the bets? Was it is that a treble or are these individual no, bets? No, 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 no. <laughs> Mostly
1: to score, individual. Ladapo to score, individual. And then that double, uh, little double, double win to nil. Um, they're both going to be tight, I think, but a couple of win to nils.
0: OK, morsi to score, I'll give you I'll give you eight to one. Ladapo, it. I'll give you nine to one. Same ones at the weekend. Still hasn't scored, obviously. Um, and then to win both games to nil. Is this how you know, it works this
2: year?
1: I'm, yeah. I'm new to the party on this one. So the yeah, host yeah. just made up the odds because I Yeah. I'm I did... trying to be more trying to be more creative with it because it was okay. getting, it's getting a bit boring
0: with you know so a certain thing.
2: you're giving shorter odds on Sam Morsi to score than you are. Did you not hear this for... You I said mean... you'd
0: listen to the pod, Stewie. You should have listened to this pod last mm. week when I when I discussed why that was nonsensical but my my working out behind it. Okay. So yeah. Um Morsey is shorter than the is a striker. Yes, I know that's nonsense, friends. But that's my thinking. The dapo's okay. not scored yet. Morsey's the game due Morsey's look like he's going to score in every single game. So for my money, he's more likely to score in this game than the Dapo is, unfortunately. Um, and in terms of winning both games to nil Hutchie, that's a that's a big shout. I'll give you I'll give you 25 to 1 on that. I think that's a big shout. 25 to 1. Mm. Interesting, right? I'll, I'll
1: do. I'll do exactly the same. I'll do fifty on each of Morsi and Ladapo. Yeah, for theirs, um, and then whoa. I'll put twenty grand on my twenty-five to one.
0: There we go.
2: If, you're... if Ipswich win these next two games to nil and make yep. it four straight wins and three straight clean sheets. I'll, I'll be officially in getting excited about what this season can can bring. Mode, um, that that would be very impressive.
0: I think we all will. Just to, again, going back to those odds, Stewie. I don't know if you heard the previous week when I wasn't in the host chair. Mike Baker was in the host chair. I heard I Mike it, give odds of nine to nine one. nine to one for for Big Cat Tyrese Jules to score and assist in the same game. Yeah. He gave him nine I, to one.
1: That was laughable. Yeah. <laughs> he does, he I, doesn't know what he's doing, does he?
0: I'd he walk
2: know. out of that bookmakers and say, I'm taking my business elsewhere. Yeah. Thank you very much.
0: You're having a laugh today. You're right then, boys. Predictions. Obviously, Hutch, you're saying they're going to win to nil. How many goals are town going to rack up?
1: If you're asking two, which you, which
0: you are. I am um, asking, yeah. Yeah, you are. Uh, two in this one, one at the weekend. Superb. We don't even need to bother with a midweek show, which is good because I'm not actually sure when we're going to do a midweek show with time off and travel, etc. So two 0 tomorrow. To tomorrow night. Excuse me, Stewie. What are you say?
2: Not as confident about a clean sheet, but I uh, I do think Ipswich will win. I will say three one Ipswich.
0: I'm going to go one more. I'm going to say four one baby. The Dapo is going to score a couple. Morsey's probably going to going to net as well. Um, so four one three one two 0 we're all saying town are going to win so fingers crossed that is what's that that is what will happen follow it with the boys Roscoe is actually on a stag do I think at the moment so he won't be at Burton um but certainly on a you. Tuesday on a Tuesday <laughs> Who's yeah? a stag? has there ever been a stag do on a Tuesday listen ever? rossi Rossi plays by his own rules doesn't he um no. I guess also it's his mates he's in Budapest so if you are anywhere near Budapest in the next couple of days look out is all I would say. <laughs> um, mark I've, I've got a ross yeah. update for you oh no so this was so exciting this was listeners to
2: the, the early podcast last week as i was on my mm. week off of heard ross mike mike ask ross about when his next theory test was for his mm-hmm. driving and to which he replied thursday so Logging that memory, first thing, obviously, one of the first things we asked Ross on Saturday was, how did the theory test go? To which he pulled a bit of an embarrassed face and said, not so well. Oh, no, did you fail it again? No, he forgot
1: to turn up. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Mate, I got so excited about this because this was after the game and uh, Mike, Mike Turbot, the turbo, the turbo sailor, yeah. Just mess just sent me a direct message on Twitter with some eye emojis just saying you have to ask Ross about his driving theory test. And I thought, he's gone, he's done it, hasn't he? Oh. My he's, gone- God. he's gone and passed, hasn't he? So I-, I bounded up to him in the press room with a big smile on my face, like thinking
0: that he's gonna tell us that he's passed it. Um he hasn't Even- passed it. Even for Ross, that's that's a, that's kind of a new high slash low, isn't it? To, to not actually remember to turn up to the test, which you've got to pay for, I think, haven't you? It's like 26 quid. 20 quid. So he's, he's just not even bothered turned up, um, and he's lost 26 quid. Wow. That is staggering. Um, So hopefully, hopefully Ross is drowning his sorrows in Budapest as we speak. I'm sure he is. Uh, right then, boys, there's one more thing I want to talk about this week by way of ending the show, a 10-minute conversation, if you could, and it's inspired by this particular happening yesterday. It's finished,
1: it has it's only just started.
0: Tremendous. One of my favorite things that's happened for a long time is, of course, the handbags over handshake between TT Thomas Tuchel and Antonio Conte, the wild man. Um, first of all. I would say if that actually elevated into an actual fight, Conte would eat Tuchel's lunch in short order. He's he's a he's a bad he's a bad mofo Conte. I reckon in a scrap, Tuchel would have no chance of keeping him off him. He's wearing uh, a cap, I... Mark. No man in a cap is winning a fight. Is that that official Hutchie rules? I think so. No man in a cap is winning a fight. I don't know how I feel about that, but certainly that man in that fight ain't winning that fight. So. I want, to, I want to discuss with you boys a very important topic. Obviously, they're Premier League managers. We deal in League One issues. But I want to know, boys, who you reckon is the hardest manager in League One? If we're going to have some kind of Royal Rumble tournament to, to determine who's the hardest man in League One in charge of a side. And also, who's the guy that's getting sand kicked in his face? Who's the, who's the weakling in the corner in League One uh, in terms of managers? So, I invite you now to... to State your your thoughts. I think there's a fairly obvious winner. There's certainly a few contenders. I know already, Hutchy. You we disagree. Um, so, should I kick off by saying who I think would win? Go on, then. I would, I would go, and I, I'm not sure it'd even be close. I've got to be honest. It, it might be. There's a bit. There's a few big units. but I think in a scrap between guys who I'm assuming have never trained in anything kind of combat-wise, even in in a proper fight with guys you know what they're doing, size is important. It's even more so in a scrap between two guys who have no idea what they're doing when it comes to throwing hands. So I'm going big and I'm also going nasty. Although I I know he's a bloody lovely nice bloke actually, but Darren Moore of Sheffield Wednesday is an absolute tank. He was a, he was a horrible center back when he played just knocking people left, right and center, throwing them asunder. Um, And I know he's, he's a really, really nice guy in real life, but I think he's got that a lot of fighters Pretty much all fighters, in fact, are bloody nice men and women. But they have that switch, that darkness in them. When the switch goes, you're in trouble. And I think Darren Moore, for that reason, would wipe the floor with pretty much all of the other League One managers. Hutchie, I know you think I'm wrong. So tell me who you think is emerging with the hand raised.
1: Um, I I see what you're saying about Darren Moore, but he's 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 not been that centre-back for quite a long time now. I wonder whether the switch doesn't quite flip in the same way it used to but there, there is a man in league one who who's only just out of the fight himself only just out of the midfield blood and thunder um and a, the serious midfield blood and thunder as well and this is the man when, when we were speaking about this last night straight away and I think Stu might possibly agree with me here is that Scott Brown at Fleetwood a proper brawler who uh has been there and done it on the mean streets of the old firm Derby, always in the thick of everything. Um, he starts he would fight everything.
0: Di- he would fight dirty. Let's be honest. There's, That's all right though, be, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, we're not saying there's any rules, are we? Um, he would definitely be throwing shots to the nuts. He'd be biting. He'd be, he'd be gouging, wouldn't he boys?
2: Yeah, him and I mean Jerry Barton's another one that falls in that category, and him, him and Barton have exchanged many a word during their time at, at Rangers and Celtic. That's that's a long running feud. I'm looking forward to that being uh, reignited on the touchlines this season. Um, yeah, Scott Scott Brown. Have you seen footage of him thundering into some tackles? There's one where he get he. he he goes into one big tackle and he gets up and he just pulls a, a muscle <laughs> pose towards the sort of the away fans. He loves it. Absolutely loves it. But, um, I think I'm with you, Mark. Darren Moore thinks I've seen him up close in person and mm. he is a, he is a big guy and, um, West Brom fans will tell you, one of my best mates is, uh, is a, is a West Brom fan and, and he's, he's gentle giant Darren Moore. Um, you might be able to appeal to his, um, christian nature maybe is mm. your only get out in that fight but um i, I remember him uh giving a 16 year old cocky wayne rooney a bit of rough treatment um putting him in his place there was that, that um infamous battle at Bramwell lane i think with with um with west brom where it all kicked off and he was he was the enforcer he was the one that. Uh, Looking after his teammates in that, so he would be a strong candidate, Darren Moore for sure. But the, the two you've mentioned were, were the two that came to my mind.
1: You know who else I think might be um, might be in the mix mm-hmm. would be um, Ian Everett.
0: Oh yeah, again a, going a, with a boys, he's he's a big lump, isn't
1: he? Yeah, he's a he's a big boy as well. So I think he him and him and Darren mm-hmm. Moore could kind of slug it out in a
0: big boy battle of the big boys. Do you know who someone I, I think might be a sleeper as well, Matty Taylor, Exeter? Again, going with size, he's a he's a well put together individual. I think he'd have he'd have size on a lot of a lot of managers in League One, and for that reason, I'd put him towards the top end. I can with Barton. You know, a lot of people would say Barton, but I think Barton's like the guy who walks into a gym, proclaiming himself to be a street fighter, and challenges like the head instructor to a scrap and lasts literally like five seconds, and we never see him again. Um, and you get those probably once or twice a year. At gyms, guys, oh mate, oh, that, I can't, I can't fight with rules. Just see red, and I want to headbutt someone. Yeah. Uh, they do one sparring session, and and we never, we never see them again. um I reckon that'd be Barton. Um, is any... is yeah. there a
2: theory that the um, that the if the Cowley brothers come as a duo, you're getting sort of two two for one They're as joint joint managers? um They get a bit leery on the sidelines. I don't, I don't know if they could back it up if. Uh, if if things really kicked off in this hypothetical situation,
0: but two on one. Well, I mean it's a free for all, so that you could throw that into the mix if you'd like. Um, any other contenders, boys, for the hardest before we talk about the uh, the guy who's getting his his lunch handed to him, they're taking the money from him, licking his briefcase. I um, reckon because... Mark
2: Kennedy could handle himself as well. Yeah, that's a good no, shout. He's pro- probably a little bit more senior than 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 some in this division, but <clears throat> yeah, he's um he's got an edge to him I reckon he could handle himself
0: who are we saying who are we saying is going to be struggling then it's going to be knocked out literally in the first round actually who who amongst the league one massive either for reasons of age or just general size perhaps you reckon would struggle to handle themselves in a in a dust up well
1: John John Coleman is 60.
0: yeah he's going to struggle um so <laughs> I I,
1: I, I that's arguably unfair um Steve, right. Steve Cotterall
2: is also at the more senior end of the scale. I know he's got a bit of edge about him, but he was very poorly with COVID. I mean, hospitalized for quite a significant period of time. So he's he has got that going against him.
1: I think there are quite a few managers in this league that probably don't pride themselves on their fighting abilities. Um yeah, no, I mean to be fair, yeah. I've put like obviously I've put Kieran McKenna in that bracket. He he would he would be uh, I think Kieran McKenna, Liam Manning. Um, Ian Birchnall at Forest Green, um, Ben Garner at Charlton. They would all kind of be in the bracket where they're looking to get you with some kind of clever chokehold or something like really, <laughs> really, really technical. Like, yeah, they're, they're not going into this for a scrap, but technically, they've they've worked on their technique, and if if they can get Darren Moore down and yes. into some kind of choke <laughs> <laughs> This is ridiculous. It's, it's Some cold. kind of chokehold yeah. or yeah. or something. Um then I think they'd have a chance. Is it that kind of fight? Or is
0: it... it a fight's a fight, isn't it? I mean, obviously, McKenna has the advantage of having Marcus Harness in his side. He's a, a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, which is a very. Hang on, this sport.
2: changes the game. What we can they can just call upon some no, 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 of their no, players? Saying,
0: if if they knew it was happening, McKenna could get the basics of BJJ from Harness. So all you need. To okay, know, so what you're saying
2: is in in the Rocky montage that features Kieran absolutely. McKenna, Mar- yeah. Marcus Harness features heavily. Yeah, right,
0: absolutely. Okay. They do, they're doing a lot of grappling on the ground. He's te- teaching him how to take Darren Moore. <laughs> down get the back sink in a choke and i think if he goes in arm with that knowledge grappling bjj probably the most effective martial art in the world because um, essentially if you get your hands on people they are screwed because um, not many people know how to defend themselves against submissions and takedowns so definitely kieran mckenna in that sort of scenario could cause some issues with some with some coaching from marcus harness but i do think probably more likely mckenna's the sort of guy who managed to talk himself out of fighting don't you with logic
1: absolutely um, yes, I think there's quite just, a lot you know, of them.
0: Yeah, just soothes the conversation, simmers it right the way down, and at the end, they're best mates.
1: Like
2: like those sort of drunken exchanges in the the queue for the taxi at the end of the night, and it starts off a bit aggro, and by the end of it, Kieran, <laughs> Kieran McKenna and the other guy having a big hug and telling telling each other they love each other.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, what are we thinking about Gareth Ainsworth? Uh, See so he, he, he's got a serious disadvantage in a fight is hasn't he? His hair. He can't he can't take that hair off, which means he can be he can be manipulated by it. Maybe he a... can take it off, Mark. <laughs> oh, wow. But if he did, <laughs> just it off. Just takes takes the hair off, puts the nut straight in. It's a double whammy. What do you reckon? I think he's Quite insane. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, so we're saying Darren oh one more. Got one more thought. Yep. Who I actually think would be
1: really bad. Mm. Carl Robinson.
0: Oh, he's a bit of the he's a bit like the Barton, isn't he? What do you think? Guy No touching he, of the hair or face. The guy whose bark is a lot louder than his actual bite, I reckon. Carl Robinson. Um we will see. Well, we won't see, obviously, because it'll never happen. But <laughs> in our minds, <laughs> in our minds, we will see. So we're saying Darren Moore or Scott Brown probably emerges victorious from this fictional Royal Rumble between League One managers. I might put that as a poll today just to see what the people think, the Kauai Army think about that. Any other notes from this this fictional dust-up before we uh, take our league, boys? No, no. No <laughs> other <laughs> fictional League One managers fighting business. Superb. Any other business generally, boys, before I do my shambolic outro? No other business generally. No, no other business. What's the, obviously, you have to play guest the kits. Hutchie, it's a, It looks to be like a purple Is it for Fu- Fiorentina? What is it? Is that purple? Is it purple? It is, it is purple. Ah, uh, made by sponsor. Is that something? Jo- paint- Joma. Something? something paints. Is that? No, it can't be. Green, green logo in the middle of it. Purple shirt, white sleeves or white collars and shoulders. Spanish. Nope.
1: No. So, Laz- Lazio. No
2: give up three stars
1: and Still elect one. it's, in the, ah, it's it. literally written in, it. the, uh, it's written in the, 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 the...
0: uh <laughs> and elect and elect um stewie did you did you listen last week when hutchie revealed his all-time favorite kits no
1: i missed that one ah there we go that's I'll listen back to it. You can go back and listen to it, which you can. I'll tell watch. you another time. Don't don't waste your time. <laughs> Obviously yeah. you won't actually okay, don't <laughs> waste your time. You.
0: Seven don't hours
2: wait. in the car to Shrewsbury and back on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> similar to Burton. There's, we I get my own personal podcast from, from Hutch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right then all that leaves us to say then is that uh, please support our sponsor Manscaped Music the code ko8 manscape.com for 20 and free delivery on all their excellent clobber there and also support all social medias kings of angel on youtube instagram twitter and facebook and leave us a five-star review please on itunes because it helps more people discover us it. it's also nice to get a lot feedback there's a there's a, a recent review i'll talk about when we're all together um, because it compares each of us to fictional characters which i particularly enjoy um so today We've learned, obviously, the town on the top of the table. Things have started very well indeed. We all expect them to win at Burton. And if it came to throwing hands between League One managers, we think Darren Moore and Scott Brown would be the boss of that particular pile. Have a great start to the week, friends. Follow the Burton game with us if you're not going. Enjoy it if you are. And hopefully, hopefully, we'll speak to you at some point later this week. Although I'm not entirely sure when that will be. But anyway, hopefully we'll speak to you again. Have a good one. Cheers.